With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't like it infringing on, on my potential double chin. But you say potential double chin? Hold on a second. It's a double chin. <laughs> TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. The second pitch of the game breaks it 0 for 21 straight with a solo home run. Driven to right down the line and deep again. And gone a two-run home run for Max Kepler, and it is three to nothing. Here's a drive to center field. Martin going back. Max Kepler has three tonight. For the second time, he's hit three home runs in a game in Cleveland. All three against Trevor Bauer, and it is five to one. I hit a bomba. Bombas. You get a bomba, and you get a bomba, and you get a bomba. That was all Max Kepler. <laughs> all three of those that you just gave out you, bombas to. You get all three bombas. <laughs> it was a heck of a night for the young man. Does, did, did Oprah ever just give three cars to one person? She just pointed at the same person over and over again. You She's like, car. you get a car, you get a car, and you, same person, get a car. But the taxes. <laughs> and the rest of the people are like, what the hell, Oprah? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It was Gail King sitting in the front <laughs> We are in a giving mood right off the bat here on Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. We're going to get into plenty of uh, Twins discussion here. Thad Levine was on the first place Score North Twins show earlier today. He was. And had a bunch of really interesting and, in some cases, candid things to say. But we have a ticket giveaway here. Uh, let me open up my email here from Jonathan. One winner. We'll just go. Uh, can we just go Caller 5? Okay. Caller 5 yep. right now, 651-646-8255. You get one-day passes good for any day of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Hazel T National. That's uh, coming up here in just over a week, June 18th through the 23rd. Again, the fifth caller right now, 651-646-8255. One-day passes good for any day. You're going to get four of them to the KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Hazel Tickets and info, go to kpmgwomenspga.com. Should we play some clips from... Uh... Thad Levine here? I would like to hear from Mr. Levine. What did he have Judge, to say? you were part of this. Yes. He was uh, very insightful on lots of things, and not surprisingly, I started off by asking him exactly where things stood on the Kimbrel sweepstakes. And uh, 
He can't go too far down that path, but he actually, I think, went farther than I expected. The fact that Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel were out on the market were very atypical. You usually don't have the ability to add players of that, of that caliber uh, in the early part of June. So we, we certainly had conversations with their agents. We understood what their asking price was. Ultimately, uh, where where they signed was clearly a preference for them, but also reflective of the teams that, that were the most aggressive in those markets. And we'll continue to seek other means to, to help bolster our current club. Uh, there, this is also, Thad Levine, kind of a follow-up on uh, money and terms with free agents. I think in oftentimes you get a very clear understanding early on whether or not they're trying to maximize their yearly earnings or whether they're trying to maximize their ability to stay in one market for a prolonged period of time. Clearly, one of the motivations for Craig Kimbrell was to sign the longest-term deal that he could. I think Dallas Keuchel probably took a little bit of a different approach where he got the most money he could get this year to try to then go out, perform at the level that he knows he will, and then put himself back on the market and in a prime position to have the extension this offseason. Two, two players, both very talented, both took different tacks uh, in approaching this market midseason, and I guess time will tell us to which one will prove more fruitful for the players. Doesn't it make sense that those two guys would take the two different tacks that they did, one being a starter and one being a reliever? You were talking yesterday, Phil, about the volatility of relief pitchers from year to year in terms of their performance and their production. Craig Kimbrell looks at this thing and he goes, if he's realistic and if his agent is is being realistic with him, they go, you're at the top of the game right now. When you look at how you were pitching last year, you're at the top of the game right now. But that very easily could go away by next year. And then what? There, there ain't going to be any more money out there for Craig Kimbrell. This is his last chance to get some sort of guarantee beyond the year that he's playing. When you look at his age and stage in his career, this is his last chance to get any money guaranteed beyond the year that he's currently playing in. Where with starting pitchers, yes, Dallas Keuchel has regressed some, but A, they usually tend not to fall off a cliff the way that relief pitchers do, and then all of a sudden nobody wants anything to do with them, and B, there's so much higher demand for starting pitching as compared to bullpen that Dallas Keuchel will find somebody to pay him even with regression a year from now and probably two years from now if he really still wants to keep playing. So taking the next step from what he said and trying to read between the lines of what he was trying, what Thad was trying to tell us as well, here's what I heard. We only hoped or wished that Keuchel's philosophy had been Kimbrell's. Oh, yes. That was what the Twins wanted. The Twins wanted Kimbrell to say, guys, I'm all in one year, make good, I'll be gone next year, but I'll help you now. And it was was Keuchel. And I don't fault these guys for not being super aggressive, probably on Keuchel. But I think what he was trying to say was, if the philosophies had been flipped a bit, they would have been absolutely ecstatic to pay Kimbrell on that one year. The Keuchel thing is, as it turns out, he winds up taking a bath financially because he could have just opted in one year, $18 million with the Astros last year. That was the qualifying offer. He's going to wind up sitting on his couch for two extra months of the regular season, month and a half of spring training. So he's going to wind up with $5 million less because it was a one-year $13 million contract after the proration with the Atlanta Mm -hmm. Braves. And he's probably not going to be good. So, so like his gamble, this gamble seems completely idiotic by Dallas Keuchel to me. But it's also very telling that all these teams that were rumored to be in the mix, for him specifically, the Yankees, the Twins at one point were talking to him, it sounds like, and a bunch of other teams. None of those teams said, we'll give you 
we'll give you twenty plus million dollars. So from everything I'm I'm hearing behind the scenes, when it just came down to one year deals, teams were much more willing to pay into the twenty plus million dollar range on a one year deal for Craig Kimbrell than Dallas Keuchel. Because if Dallas Keuchel had a one year twenty plus million dollar deal, guess what? He would have taken it, right? Absolutely, yes. He would be, you know, and what's is the proration? It's eighteen million dollars. So it's like he yeah. he wound up getting a, a a lesser version of it, but. I think it just shows you that there's a lot of really smart people in front offices right now. And Thad Levine, by the way, is one of them. We'll play some more clips here. And a lot of smart people looked at Dallas Keuchel and said, oof, the game is different now than it was when you were dominating two years ago. You don't miss bats enough. And you shot yourself in the foot by not facing major league hitters for like eight months. I can't trust you. How much do you guys think, too, that uh, precedent of 2018, Lance Lynn and Cobb in Baltimore, also made teams think, okay, we're not we're not going to pay a starter this much into June now because those two guys that that I mentioned before both signed during spring training and got late starts and had brutal seasons. Yeah, it definitely. Now those guys like Lance Lynn was. I think both those guys were coming off missing a full year with Tommy John surgery, and so there might there there might be a little bit of a just a feeling out process of what are those guys going to be like after Tommy John and we're trying to figure out well they were good before Tommy John and Lance Lynn was this pitcher for 5 years but i think if you're just talking specifically about when you sit out that long and you join a team late it matters it's you can't just come in it's not like you're a kicker and you've just been practicing one thing and i can i'm just going to kick every day for 3 hours and, I, and if somebody wants to call me and and put me into a game. I'm Dan Bailey or whoever, and somebody wants to put me in a game in October. Well, I've just been kicking every day. Have they said when Keiko will be ready to pitch? There hasn't Have been a date, a date set on, on it, it yet? no. Because no. the Cubs said that Kimbrell should be ready to pitch around June 20th. So they're thinking it's going to take him at least two weeks, and they said maybe not till the end of June. That's for a relief pitcher. That's a guy for a guy who comes in and throws one inning. For Dallas Keiko, he's trying to build st- the stamina of a starting pitcher. Yeah. I got to imagine it's at least a month before you actually see him on a mound. Yeah. And the Atlanta, there's no guarantees that the Atlanta Braves are going to be relevant in a month. Is that looking Canadian? I thought I caught a little a boot in that first clip that you played. Well, let's, let's find out. All right. This was Thad Levine on the Scorna Twin Show earlier today. We certainly don't take lightly the fact that we're in a little bit of a different competitive landscape today than we were this offseason when we made some moves. So I think it's our responsibility to constantly comb all those markets and figure out ways even when the team seems to, to have a little bit of a cushion, to, to really try to bolster that group. And it, it's easy to look at what we can control. So we're, we're trying to come up with some advanced progressive programming for some of our pitchers in the minor leagues so that they can be the next line of defense in the event that we need them. Uh, but additionally, we, we will look at the trade markets. I, I think that's our responsibility. We certainly don't take anything for granted. So he's confirming there what we all suspect, which is, yeah, we're, we're going to make a trade. I mean, mm-hmm. he, can't, he can't flat out come out and say, oh, we're going to trade prospects for it. But he's saying, yeah, we're, we're going to add. Right. We're adding. We're, we're looking to make a trade here. Uh, and then he was also asked about the fact that they came into the season and they were hoping to be good, but nobody could have foreseen 41 and 20 and 21 games. But they were 22 games above 500 a couple of days ago. Just the difference in expectations now. I think we're shifting right now in the season from a stage where uh, pundits and national writers were, were saying it's still Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians division. And I think it's shifting a little bit towards uh, an open mind that maybe we've, we've surpassed them. And I think with that comes some significant expectations for our club. And it will be very interesting to see how our team responds with expectations laid on top of them. But that's certainly something we're going to monitor 
But we don't take lightly the opportunity that is presented to us right now. We certainly don't feel as if we have uh, any entitlement to play in the playoffs. We're going to need to continue to try to do things to help support this team, maximize its ability, and potentially even augment the talent around it. Who's the best general manager of the last 10 years? Bill Belichick in sports? Bill Belichick? Probably, yeah. Okay. I would say. On a scale of David Kahn to Bill Belichick, how much do you trust Derek Falvey and Thad Levine to handle these next six weeks the way that they need to handle the next six weeks? So Kahn is a one and Belichick's a ten? Kahn is a negative four. I need to, okay. Bel- Belichick's a ten. I can't. I, I have to see. Um, because I, in my gut I trust it, but we have never seen them presented with this opportunity before, and it's going to require some tough decisions to be made. And he's Thad Levine in that quote, I think, says all of the things that if you're a Twins fan, you want to hear. But then I don't blame a Twins fan for coming back and saying, okay, that sounds great. Now prove it. Because essentially what he's saying, I think, is the team is doing its job. And we are really, really good because of that. And we and he he can't say that Cleveland we bypassed Cleveland, but they clearly have. So I think what he's doing and I admire this, but now we have to see the payoff, is he's putting the pressure on himself and Derek Falvey to say, we need now to supplement and support that team. Mm-hmm. And so so my point is, by by July 31st, when the trade deadline gets here, will we see that? He's saying yes, but you, it's very uh, simple at this point to say, I'm going to do that. But then when it comes down to crunch time and you're trading prospects, that's where I'm curious. So let me tell you why I, I, I'm not going to give it the, the 10 out of 10 Bill Belichick trust because we haven't really seen it yet. But I'm like an 8. I'm like an 8 on the trust scale right now that these guys are going to... And when I say do what they need to do, I mean be aggressive and identify the right pitchers and, the, and also the right prospects to deal that aren't going to burn you in three years. It might be that you have to trade a couple prospects that you absolutely know are going to be franchise players for another team. But I, but I, I look at the list of and and it, it it amuses me that people have been just savaging the twins. Not all twins fans, but a lot of twins fans have savaged the twins the last two days for not getting either of these two pitchers, as if like it's the same. Oh, same old twins. Call me when they spend big money on a Craig Kimber, right? Ignoring the list of moves I'm going to throw out at you guys right now. Think about how savvy this list is when you go line by line. I'm glad you're doing this. Because I don't think people have really looked at the whole picture. It's crazy. So Derek Falvey and Thad Levine looked at Jorge Polanco this offseason and said, I know he's coming off like he had the steroid thing. He blossomed for a few months, but Jorge Polanco was anything but a sure thing, complete player in the offseason. He was very much a maybe, right? And they said, no, man, we got to lock this guy up. It wound up being what a six-year contract extension or seven-year contract extension with options. They said, nope, we see something. We see franchise player in this guy before anyone else sees it. And that dude has top three MVP vote potential right now. I mean, he's in the mix to be the the MVP of the American League right now. Max Kepler, a couple really disappointing seasons. Just like hasn't blossomed into the player that we thought he was going to be. Last year, just like he couldn't hit he couldn't hit right-handed pitching. Like he just and they said, nope. We see some things in this guy, enough to put millions of dollars on a long-term contract in front of him. And boom, Max Kepler, has he's on pace to hit like 35 home runs this season or whatever it is, three home runs last night. Nelson Cruz, he's 38 years old. No, he still has a full gas tank. They were right on all three of those. Jonathan Scope had a miserable season last year. He was benched down the stretch 
on the Milwaukee Brewers team that Rami covered from from his time in Milwaukee. They said, nope, that guy's going to be our starting second baseman. He's going to get back to the form he was at two years ago. Martin Perez, like, there's more on this list. We should not ignore this list when we're trying to evaluate Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. We should not place the fact that they didn't sign Craig Kimbrell but those were all, all these those other were things. All, those were all bargain bin moves that they got lucky on, Phil. I, I mean... Those were all bargain bin moves that they got lucky on. Please tell me you're being satirical right now. I'm being now. so satirical okay, thank right you. now, yes. <laughs> but the one, Jump across the table. <laughs> but the one, the one thing, though, that, that we are now waiting to see, and the question that we're asking is there's the next step now, which is to make... Because the Polanco and Kepler contracts are slight gambles, but they're also very, very smart. And if they work out as well as they've worked out so far for a few years, they're absolutely genius. And a, a year ago, the the moves that the Twins tried to make to bring in outside help didn't work. This time, they have. But now, now is the in- interesting, and to me, a different point of, you're really good. Are you going to make the moves? And I think they will. But there's going to be some tough decisions made, and there's going to probably be some pretty good prospects traded. But I think what, what Thad and Derek have come to realize now, wisely, is that this is an opportunity with this group to win a World Series. And so, in fact, I asked Thad a question about this along the lines of, you know, in 2022, you probably don't don't want to wake up one day and be like, man, if we had just made that one move. yeah, And, and it goes back to... A, a topic that you've brought up, Phil, a thousand times, but it's accurate here and important, the Aaron Hicks-Cliff Lee trade. Terry Ryan, I'm sure, wakes up some days. He's like, really? I didn't make that move at that time. But I get it. Those are tough moves. That was actually uh, technically a Bill Smith team in 2000. Well, then Bill Smith wakes <laughs> up some days and probably says, really? I didn't make that move. Yeah. But that's a tough thing because you cultivate these kids, you develop them, they're on these great prospect lists, and they might be great players, but at some point in time, you have to pull the trigger on those trades, and that, that to me is just the next, okay, let's see that. Yeah, And I think it's great that he's basically saying, yeah, we're going to go out and add, but I feel like there is some urgency about when they add. I don't think that they can sit back and, and wait until July 31st necessarily. I think they should be working the phones and working the phones hard to get an extra arm for that bullpen as soon as possible. Yeah. I mean, are they going to blow a 10-and-a-half-game lead between now and July 31st? Nope. No. But does it need to go down to six and you play sub-500 baseball for a stretch? No, that's not necessary either. I have so. I have two concerns that would have me, that would create a little bit of a sense of urgency if I'm Thad Levine in terms of finding a, a, a bullpen arm. And one is... Let's talk about those when we come back. Okay. All right. Let's talk about those because uh, this is this is good and we still have a couple Thad clips we can play. So Rami's two concerns. Two concerns. Only two. That's not a lot when you think about it. Oh, I've got way more. Two concerns? (laughs) Don't worry about it. I'll supplement those with four more. That's why I should be driving the bus and not Jittery Judd. (laughs) Jittery Panic Judd over here. (laughs) Jittery Judd. Mackie and Judd. We're going to pull out the table. See you, bye. To write that on Friday as well. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is uh, is here for you, business owners. Business ownership can be a roller coaster ride. I mean, think about if you own the twins right now. What a roller coaster the last couple years. Thought you were going to be a playoff team last year? Had to ride the lows. This year, you're riding high, right? I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing the poll ads have insurance, so it's not necessarily for them. But for you out there, business owners, and I've been one myself in my life, Federated has all kinds of experience in protecting assets. And also, not only that, but Federated has a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be 
in multiple different areas, whether it's problem solving, taking care of employees. They have guidance in all kinds of different areas. You can find out more about Federated Insurance and the value they can add to your business at federatedinsurance.com. And you can talk to uh, your local Federated Marketing representative, too. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Talking some twins with you right now, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at SKOR North if you want to get in on the show. And I was saying before the break, guys, that I feel like there is, despite a 10-and-a-half game lead in the division, there needs to be some sort of sense of urgency. Not panic button urgency, but there needs to be some sense of urgency to go out. No, no, it's not time for the alarms yet. No, that, not... that was just Judd walking into the room. <laughs> yeah, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> Did I miss him on the show? <laughs> <laughs> it's not panic time urgency, but I think that there is some urgency, and for two reasons. One, you're not the only team in baseball that's going to be looking for at least one arm to add to your bullpen. That's one of the hotter commodities in baseball every year leading up to the trade deadline. And we really don't know what the impact of this single trade deadline and no moves past July 31st is going to be. I think it may speed up the market, and you really don't want to end up settling. I think you you need to set your sights on a guy right now, and I don't know who that guy is. They have, uh, Ken Giles. They have scouts. They have analytics. They have biometrics. They, they can pinpoint and target a guy much better and much more well-informed than I can sitting here in this studio here today. But Thad Levine, Derek Falvey, Rocco Baldelli, Wes Johnson, they need to pinpoint a guy and go out and do everything they can to try and get that guy right now because you don't want to end up settling. So you, so, so concern number one to you is timing? You want, well, you, the way I would sum it up is you want your pick of the litter. You don't want to settle after the guy who you really wanted, maybe the second or third guy you wanted, have been picked off the heat by other teams before the trade deadline. You don't want to settle. This is not the time to settle. Do we think that this is all-star game-ish? I would do it before that. What's your gut telling you? I would do it before that. I don't, I, don't know when, I don't know if they're thinking the same way I am. I would do it as soon as possible. I'm talking within a week or two. Yes. I would be working the phones hot and heavy right now. I think that the challenge is a lot of teams, because I think... People tend to wonder, well, why don't trades? Why do trades always happen in a logjam close to July thirty first? And I think it's because the closer you get to July the thirty first, the more likely it is that you get two or three different. If you're a seller, you get two or three different teams, or maybe four different teams, all kind of up against each other with the same deadline, and you can get a team at the last minute to say, okay, bleep it, we'll right. throw in our best prospect. Exactly. And so I, I think you probably tend to overpay early. If because you're the only team maybe ready to pull the trigger on a trade, right? Does that make sense? Like if you're if you're looking to sell something on uh, on eBay, right? Mm-hmm. And you and your end date on the auction is July 31st, and I come to you and I say, "Oh, I'd love the buy it now option. I'd love to just buy that right now." You say, "Well, I mean, I could generate six weeks of bidding war here and just take my chances." Right. So if if you're going to buy it now from me, I need that price to be higher. Yeah, and if that means you have to pay a little bit more, then you pay a little bit more. I'm okay with that because because as I've talked about in the past, we think this window is open for years, but all we really know is it's open this year, and you have to strike. You have to do the best job you can of striking now. So that's that's my concern number one, and why there would be some urgency in going out and adding an arm to the bullpen. Number two is. 
the longer you wait, the longer you're going to wear down the arms that you have now, the high leverage arms that you trust, and the less effective they're going to be when it really matters come September and October. How many times are you going to ask Taylor Rogers to go out and throw 34 pitches for a two-winning save to squeak out a win against the Indians? I think that's an outstanding point. And, and because I am concerned, a lot of time as I watch games and start to sweat... If I'm Falvey and Levine last night and I'm watching that game and Rodgers scuffled just a little bit, I think, and they got Blake Parker up and I started sweating profusely on on my couch (laughs) because you're just asking too much there of everybody. So I think your second point is a fantastic point, which is, are you going to, so if there's, if in that bullpen, let's say right now there's one guy, maybe two that you quote unquote trust. Yeah. Are you going to wear that guy to a nub by playoff time because you waited till July 31st to make a trade? And that's why I think you're right. I think you have to seriously examine going out and making a trade for at least an arm that you trust now because you can't have Blake Parker getting up in the bullpen in Cleveland and me sweating here because I don't trust it anymore. Well, you're just kind of a sweaty guy in general. Well, I do sweat right? a lot, so, and I, I might lost some weight too. But, <laughs> but there's something to that. There's something to you know because Rocco could talk all he wants about yeah Taylor came in and he was fantastic and that was great and he got six outs and we trust him completely. Yeah. Okay, that might be true, but are we going to be then in you know take your pick August fifteenth? And the guy is completely worn out. Here's something else to note, too, since it sounds like we're in the middle of a segment of self-awareness on behalf of the Twins and honesty here, right? We mm-hmm. love the Twins' uh, record so far, and uh, I think I think there's 90% of this thing is on the tracks and not turning back. And we're poking holes in the things that... We're poking holes in the difference between what they are now and what, what they need to be to be a World Series contender, right? Yes. I've said this before. I'm not thinking about winning the division with yep. these moves. That's done. I'm thinking about playoff roster construction. So he, here's a, an important point to bring up. Taylor Rogers, and he struggled a little bit the last week or so, giving up a couple home runs, and maybe some of that's overusage. And Taylor Rogers is a really good reliever. He's the Twins' best reliever. But much like with quarterbacks around these parts, we suffer from a case of reliever beer goggles. Taylor Rogers is really good. But when you look at the best relievers around baseball, there's 30 relievers right now with a better strikeout rate than Taylor Rogers. But but we watch Taylor Rogers and it's like, well, he blows hitters away and he makes guys look foolish. Taylor Rogers on some of these teams, like if you put Taylor Rogers on the Brewers, he's not Josh Hader. Josh Hader is striking everybody out. He's the third guy out of that bullpen, probably. Yep. He's not, and that's with that's because Corey Knebel is hurt. Yes. Yes, and and again, like he's a really good reliever. Right. There's a guy in San Diego named Kirby Yates right now. Kirby Yates strikes out 15 batters per nine innings, has a .96 ERA, and is virtually untouchable. Is that good? Those are good. Those numbers? are very good okay. numbers. Yes. Checking. Untouchable, Brad positive Hand. thing. Okay. Like I guess my point here is, if you can set your team up so that Taylor Rogers becomes after the July 31st yes. trade deadline your third best reliever, absolutely. Now you can win a World Series. Correct. And and if you if you go in to Yankee Stadium to start a playoff series and your rotation is Barrios, unknown stud that you've acquired, and now your third guy, Odo. You know what? That's the thing is if if you put this playoff a potential in the in the context of this, going into Yankee Stadium isn't going to scare these twins. But do you know what really makes them emboldened and not scared? 
saying we've got a really good starter, two good starters, and and one or two arms added to our bullpen who are lights out guys. Then you're really not scared of going to play the Yankees. Yeah. It is kind of funny though in terms of like how you view this team right now, glass half empty, glass half full. I, I retweeted someone this morning. I just I woke up, scrolled through, see what, what are people talking about the, the day after the twins beat the Indians and Max Kepler hit three home runs. Again, I say the Twins beat the Indians and Max Kepler hit three home runs on the road at Progressive Field. And someone tweets in, yeah, but the but the bullpen almost blew it. <laughs> like, yeah, they almost blew it, I guess. But again, the Twins won the game and Max Kepler hit three home runs. And I think this is this is going to be a thing for the next four months. And they're up ten and a half games. This yeah. <laughs> right. It's Vikings fans, though. I mean, it's just sports fans here. We're going to nitpick the gap between... Reality well, and perfection. What people saw that the last two nights were what four or five run leads at one point, one of which they blew, and so people are paranoid. But that's but, gonna. But that's the thing, gonna, it's baseball. But, but this, but this comes back to the conversation of: Do the people who run this team understand that? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. If Levine came on to today, it's like I don't know what you guys are talking about, Kimbrel. Huh? Bleep him. We're absolutely fine. Then I'd be like, oh, okay, that's not great. But he didn't. We know for a fact. That, that the shortcomings that this team has are well-known, and it's also a good thing that it's not, let's say, four things. It's not, a, well, they could use a right fielder that could hit for power, too. That'd be nice. And it'd be really good because their shortstop's not that good, and you'd really like bullpen help. This is very, very clear-cut. And so so the roadmap to me here is pretty simple. And these guys get that. They know that. The Kimball thing is disappointing, but they pursued him. It's not like they didn't. And... So I don't I don't see the one thing I like about the Twins brass right now is I don't sense a disconnect between reality and this team. No. And I and and in this town, I've sensed that before. Yeah. There's been a was it this this is the front office that saw Byung Ho Park in spring training light it up and said, We're good, right? Bang. That was their first year, Correct. right? So the Terry Ryan regime did some great things for ten years. But I feel like the Terry Ryan regime also put a lot of stock into like things that they see in front of them, and sh- like oh Scott Diamond, we're gonna Scott Diamond is gonna be a a fixture in our rotation long term, and they yes. look at some of these guys, and there's just a different way of looking at baseball that these new front office types have, and the Twins have maybe one of the best tandems in all the front offices. I think the most important thing that the new baseball regime now has is this an awareness of when they're wrong or when something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Old school baseball people said, <laughs> I signed that guy. You're going to see. I'll fix him. And then it would be a disaster. Uh, the new, the smart, and I should, because th- this is not across the board. It's not fair to say that everyone is like this. But I think the new smart baseball people say, we got to cut bait. And look, this team learned from last year. These guys learned. The Lance Lynn thing, Disaster. Addison Reed thing, disaster. But you know what they didn't do? Repeat those exact same yeah. mistakes. I just want a, a little public service announcement, though, quick. I just, when given the choice after a game like last night to panic about a couple runs late in a game in which the Twins won and Max Kepler hit three home runs, I'm generally going to choose, hey, that was awesome. Max Kepler hit three bombs and the Twins made everyone feel good afterwards. And for context, last year, the Houston Astros had the best bullpen by a mile, by the way. The, the Astros had a ridiculous bullpen last year. Uh, so best bullpen in all of baseball over a full season still allowed 175 runs. 
That's the top, top bullpen, World Series caliber bullpen in all of baseball. Allowed 175 runs. An average of a run per game, and more I than think, a run per game. I think people's barometers for bullpens has been thrown off a little bit due to the increased usage. Because you say you... You say 176 runs, and using my old baseball brain and what I was used to seeing from bullpens and good bullpens, I go, that's a crap ton of runs for a bullpen to give up. But they're throwing so many more innings now, and this isn't to say that the Twins' bullpen is fine and they don't need to add anything to it. There's problems there, but I think people see a bullpen, quote-unquote, losing a game, and they go into an all-out panic. They see... 176 runs from a bullpen, and it's an all-out panic. But you have to look at these things relative to what other teams are doing and relative to the age of baseball that you're playing in. And with the usage that bullpens are getting nowadays, they're going to give up more runs than bullpens of the past. And more times than not, because teams score runs after the fifth inning, it's just a thing that happens in baseball, bullpens will be the ones that lose games for you. That's just mm-hmm. the way it's going to play out because they're in the game at that time and you're not going to stop offenses from scoring altogether. Also worth noting, that same Astros bullpen, the best bullpen in baseball last year, that, that gave up more than a run per game, just the bullpen, also blew 21 saves. They blew a save a week. Best bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. Save a week. Can you imagine watching those games through the, through the lens of, oh my God, like every, every, every time the bullpen gives up a run. So there's, there's a middle ground between... Yes, the Twins have to fix some things with their bullpen, and let's not overreact every time someone like Trevor May gives up a double to the gap. It's, it happens. It's so much more fun. It's baseball. Though. It's so much more fun. The Vikings defense, when it was the best in the league two years ago, still gave but up the Astros like, did hundreds go, of points. Go out and make <laughs> one or two important trades, and that's what you're going to have to do it eventually here. And, and I just I don't think anybody could have foreseen when this roster is being constructed, that it would be this good, including the guys that constructed it. Now they they do. I think they're smart, but they're going to go out and, and make... And here's here's the thing, too, is there is an off chance that they're, they're going to make a, a trade for a bullpen arm or two who we don't immediately be like, that's a lights-out name. That's very possible. They might go and get someone from a bad team that, that, that they've seen. That's the one thing where I guess we're going to have to put our trust in them a bit and their ability to scout, which is pretty good, yeah. because they might identify two guys who come here and are fantastic, and we're like, okay, who's that again? They might do what the Astros did with Ryan Presley That's last year. exact name I'm thinking of, and I'm guessing that that name is not a household name in Houston. It would have been nice to have him right now, by the way. That'd be okay. Yeah, I would pay the, the $10 million freight to have him. <laughs> um, so we're talking twins, and phone lines are open for the next 20 minutes or so, 651-646-8255. Mackie and Jeb with Rami in the TCL studios. Uh, but there's a, there's well, this is a summer of golf here in the Twin Cities. And uh, here in, a, what, less than two weeks, the 2019 KPMG Women's PGA Championship is coming to town, and this has been like a string of big-time national events from the Super Bowl all the way through Final Four. Now we get a couple big golf events uh, in this coming month, month and a half. And Renee Delosh is the championship director of this year's KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Thanks for joining us, Renee. Thank you for having me. So tell us, A, a how excited are you personally, and uh, and what are you starting to, now that we're getting what, a week and a half away here from uh, from the yeah. event. What, uh, what are you feeling over there? Well, yeah, that's true. We're in the final countdown here. We're watching the weather forecast pretty closely, but uh, we'll be ready for whatever comes our way. Um, 
We are very, very excited. June 18th to 23rd are the dates of the championship. And um, we're super pumped to just have the best uh, women golfers in the world here in Chaska. Yeah. So what kind of experience can fans expect uh, during the practice rounds and then once the, the actual tournament and championship rounds fire up? Yeah, so uh, we've got the practice round. The Pro-Am is on Tuesday, and then practice round on Wednesday. And then the championship rounds start uh, Thursday through Sunday. But, you know, I think the spectators will find it to be a pretty engaging atmosphere. These players really engage and are um, appreciative of the supportive fans that come out to watch them. Um, you'll see a lot of the players interact with kids, take selfies, high fives. Um, they're just really engaging with the fans that are there. So I think it'll be a really uh, spectacular uh, opportunity. Who are some of the uh, more notable names that will be part of the field? Yeah, so Seung-Hung Park is a defending champion, so she'll be back here at Hazeltine. Um, Aria Jatanagarn is in the field. Um, MB Park, who has won this event three years. Um, Brooke Henderson is in the field. Um, Amy Olson will be coming over from North Dakota, bringing a lot to her friends and family. Um, but uh, we've got a really, really strong field. We've also got um, Maria Fossey and Jennifer Kupcho, who just recently played in the um, Augusta National Women's Amateur down at Augusta. Um, so we have got uh, the best of the best coming yeah. to Hazeltine. Okay, what's the, what's the championship purse? How much money's on the line? Be honest. Yeah. <laughs> $3.85 million, and the uh, champion will go home with $577,000 wow. for first place. Yeah. That's uh... Tweaks to, to the course from the, the last time that uh, fans saw that course? Have you done some yeah. things to it? Yeah, you know, so the last event here was the Ryder Cup in 2016, and um, uh, many folks remember that the course was rerouted for that uh, particular event, but Hazeltine will go back to its original routing um, for this event, so... Uh, be very familiar for a lot of people. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. in terms of, of ticket options, what if, if people want to, to to go out and either watch a practice round or watch the championship rounds? How do they get tickets if they're interested? Yeah, our tickets are online at kpmgwomenspga.com. Um, there's a few different ticket types. Uh, the practice round tickets are as affordable as twenty dollars um, online, and then we do offer a weekly option for a hundred dollars and that gets you all six days of the championship um but there are uh, multiple different ticket options and they all can be found at kpmgwomenspga.com awesome and then one, one more question for you just about logistics parking sure. and transportation it's all, i mean these events are always kind of hit or miss in terms of parking so what would you recommend for people with parking and transportation yeah so um as long as mother nature cooperates we plan to have all parking on site uh in the field surrounding the golf course so that should be really convenient and um easy for the spectators and uh parking is free so there is no charge for that awesome. but um should we go into a rain plan we've got alternate solutions lined up but uh Fingers crossed we won't have to go down that path. The 2019 KPMG Women's PGA Championship coming up here uh, shortly, and we're all looking forward to it. Renee, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that's Renee Delash. She is the uh, the championship director of the event this year. I would think, like, the, some of these events that we've had in town, like golf tournaments and Super Bowl, I would be so nervous if I was in a position like Renee that I would just forget about some huge logistical thing. Because <laughs> oh, my God, rain? we didn't think about parking. <laughs> you know. You know what? Holy crap! That that's where the platform 
put a roof on it actually would be nice. At the golf tournament? Yeah, where you got four days and you got to get the doggone thing in and you say to yourself, man, it'd be nice to dome this golf tournament. I feel like putting a, a dome Like you can it. have a baseball rain delay. The Twins aren't going. The Twins are, the twins are going to be around. You're basically talking about, uh, isn't there? Isn't there a movie? What's that movie? Like District 9 or something where aliens, like yeah. aliens basically put a dome on Earth? But people got to get yeah. going. I welcome those aliens. <laughs> Robbie's got Robbie's got a plan for them. If it was Judd, then we would just play it. We would play it at a golf simulator dome. Uh, we're going to play Pebble Beach. He, he here, a golf dome. Yeah. He, he a golf dome. Is fantastic. What are you talking about? I would help those aliens. That's what I would do. He would too. I would That's join a sad the, thing. I would join the alien revolution and put a roof on everything. The man who would dome Wrigley Field. Yep, that's me. A Cubs fan who would dome one of the great ballparks of all time. I would do it if I could. Have you you ever got, when you make your appearances on the score in Chicago, the one that that they spell it the wrong way? Yeah. Have you ever brought up your put a roof on Wrigley Field theory on airwaves in Chicago? Um, oh, I think on the last hit I did, I did a hit about three weeks ago on the score in Chicago, and I was I was asked about it. There are quite a few personalities over there who have reached out to me on Twitter, though, who are part of the movement. The Wrigley Field movement? The put a roof on it yeah. movement. Well, the White Sox can. Who cares with that ballpark? The put a roof on it in general movement. Because this isn't about just Target Field. This is about baseball. You know, it's about And golf for me. And golf. Here's, I just gave it golf. Here's what's hilarious. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull pull this up real quick. So the Score North Twin Show on Apple. When I go and look at the reviews, and by the way, if you can give us a five star review on that, that'd be great. We'd Appreciate love you it. for it. So it used to be that we, we just called it the Touch 'Em All podcast with Derek Wetmore, Phil Mackey. We do one a week. We started four years ago. Did one a week. Bunch of five star reviews because people love the nerd baseball talk. It was always a pristine rating: five stars, five stars, five stars. And then Rami comes along. <laughs> Well, let's hear it. Oh, I want to hear this. Put a roof on it. Yeah. Rami comes along, and all of a sudden, we start getting a few one-star reviews mixed in. Oh, you brought, come a, on. You brought one, a rating down to one, like 4.7. One-star? Yeah. what you've done, and it's, Rami. And it's well, not, you're, that, you're that salty over put a roof on it. You're going to give us a one-star. And it's literally like the people who give it one star are just mad that you want to put roofs on target field. <laughs> Can I hear some of the comments? Get I'm trying to it. find some of these. Enough. Here it is. This is from uh, somebody. One star review on April 28th. Enough of the roof baloney. Stuff a sock, all caps, in it or go back to Milwaukee if you insist on watching baseball in a dark, dingy dungeon. You can also go to Mall of America and hang out in the center court. It's just like a Brewers game. (laughs) You're dragging our rating down on the score in our twin show. That's a great comment, by the way. You just nailed it, Rami. Sensitive. That's amazing. You would think it. the people who get really legitimately upset about put a roof on it, you would think that they were the architects who designed Target Field. Like they have a real vested in like, Peter. They take the personal offense to the fact that I want to put a roof on a stadium. <laughs> like they had anything to do with that stadium going up. I know you paid taxes, blah blah blah. I love them. He's Did so you just out. mock us for paying taxes? No, I pay the tax too now, don't I? Well, Isn't now it's too late. It sound like it's too late. I paid that tax in Milwaukee, and I was fine with it. Totally well, fine. That's with fine, it. but don't bring your act here about our <laughs> non-roof ballpark. You've got your ballpark, uh, <laughs> which looks like a football stadium airport hangar. Man, write that down. Predictions coming up in about ten or fifteen. Man, what's a ruin Wrigley Field? Okay. Oh my God. Did you guys, it just showed, it, they just cut away to a new highlight. Did you guys see on the TCL 55-inch Roku TV here? Oh, oh no! That's what getting oh. hit in the seeds on a 4K 
Oh. TTL TV looks oh, like. Oh my god! The umpire took one directly to. Somebody went on the IL today oh. with uh, Mitch Haniger. a ruptured testicle. I can oh. say that on you the should, air, right? You should that's talk the, like yeah. this. You know what looks? For the rest of that's a clinical term. What, testicle. What looks yeah. great in 4K picture quality? Ruptured <laughs> testicles. <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. Yep, you can see all kinds of ruptured organs if you watch enough baseball on a TCL TV. Those built-in Roku devices giving you access to 500,000 TV episodes, movies, 5,000-plus streaming channels. It's the best combination of price and quality, and there's a reason why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. You can go and find TCL TVs in any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. Go check them out for yourself. Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL Studios. All right, thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Jeb with Rami with some write-that-down predictions coming up shortly. A lot of stuff off the board in the accountability session. <clears throat> Do we have a different uh, batting average leader right now? I don't know if it... I don't think it changed hands. Okay. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, because I were, think, I, the I, think I was in the lead, so I was just trying to find out. Actually, there's going to be an update. There will be an update on that. I will just say that. There will be a batting average up update. It's just like breaking news? Really? Because if this is breaking news, yeah. there's only one noise that I'd like to hear right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> a different what, one. What was that what one? What was that? That was Judd's noise he made yesterday. Oh, that's not new. No. No, that's not new. Oh, you want it. That's not. You want it. This one? Yes, thank you. Yeah, that one. My noise was mildly amusing. Rami's is legendary, okay? Sometimes you got to just move aside for the master, and it's wrong. Can you play the Judd one again? What was the Judd noise? The whole, the whole longer one is goes whoo, up in the air, and then it comes down. That's <laughs> what I'm making the bed. I have really, take the uh, sheet. I yeah, fluff the sheet. He takes the sheets and yeah, flips them in the air, and they go. Boo. Did it this morning. It was great. <laughs> Love to see the sheet do that. Oh man, have you picked the? Have you picked your favorite location for? The uh, morning Judd videos now. Now that you've done the car bed, you did one. Did I you believe go back with to the car. Dog. I was in the I car again. Today. Back to the yeah, car. Oh yeah, because I was livid today. I got you, you I did one from your mad. couch with your dog at one point. That was yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which I sort of like, but the light. The problem is the lights coming in a little bit too much, and so the pictures distorted. But the dog's good, and I think the dog enjoyed it. Anytime so you can include, I'll sell it back in. Anytime you can include a dog in your videos or photos on Twitter, that's. That's a win. I had one. I had one simple point in my morning Judd rant today, though, and I honestly don't get it. The NBA and National Hockey League, right? They're marquee events, right? Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals. It's great, but the last two days we we've been talking about last night in hockey, a completely blown, just awful non-call, and two nights ago you got some idiot millionaire basically assaulting a player. Like, get your acts together, people. He 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 finally released a statement here, too, That's just completely uh, falling on the sword, saying, yeah, I'm an idiot. I've tried to reach out to Kyle Lowry, but... I drunk, mean, you think? I'd imagine there were a few. Probably had a couple had to be, a few right? drinks had. But imagine if your first, like, animal instinct in that moment, when you're not, you're just in the moment and that thing happens and a player unexpectedly like, falls into the seat next to you, and your first raw instinct is to look over with anger and shove that player? Yeah, no. What kind of a human that would are never you? never occur to me. No. That no. would never go through my brain. Ever. It, th- that moment, he can say whatever he wants, and he can release a statement, and, and he can apologize, and literally he can say and do whatever he wants. The fact that that was his first instinct is everything you need to know about that guy. The only way that I would ever be able to think like that at all would be to be drunk. Like... But- 
in normal life, you would never. Wouldn't you? If a player came at you and he he's trying, he's playing basketball, so he's not. There's there's no uh, malice behind. He also it. didn't fall into you, right? But I'm just saying, if somebody wouldn't, your first instinct to be like, "Am I okay? Are the people around me okay?" Including the player. Mm-hmm. That'd be your first. You'd be like, "Oh, oh my gosh!" And he shoves him. Let's hear a violent drunk. That's yeah, that, not, that's, that's not, what I'm thinking. That's not the first instinct. Correct. But if you're a violent drunk, there's like, a chance. Let, let's, let's assume alcohol is involved. Let's inject alcohol into the situation. I still wouldn't do that. I'm not the drunk guy who gets into a fight every time he puts back six beers. That's not me. But I know that dude. I think we all know that dude or have seen that dude. But but I think I feel like that dude only comes out. We all because I'm sure we all have aggressive drunk friend, right? Oh yeah. What are you guys I, talking about? <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? I'm not aggressive. What do you mean? You want to go? <laughs> Let's settle this outside. But I feel like that guy only comes out when he feels provoked in some way. Yes. And so, like, what was the guy's name again? Mark Stevens? Yeah. Something like that? Yes, I think that's right. So so he sees a seat or two away, an NBA player fall in, and he has to go out of his way to think, I'm going to shove him now. I'm going to get this guy. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. It's a, it's a, it's mind boggling to me, but and you own a piece of Golden State. That's the thing too is you're not just some rich guy who who you know owns a gym or something, right? And you're just a moron. You own a piece of this team, and that's what you're doing. And how about that's the second craziest thing to happen courtside at that game three a couple of nights ago? Did you guys? Oh see, yeah, did you guys good. see the other story? Yes. And this, so, this is sad, by the way. A photo went viral. It was Jay-Z, Beyonce, and then oh. Joe Lacob's wife sitting next to Beyonce, and then Joe Lacob sitting on the other side of his wife, right? So they ordered drinks. The Lacobs were ordering drinks for the uh, the Beyonce's. I don't know what to call Jay-Z and Beyonce or that family. They're buying drinks. It's, it's, it's Destiny's Child. Okay. okay. <laughs> the Beyonce's. I like it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I think that's due respect to Queen B. But... So Joe Lacob's wife, who I'm sorry, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting her name right now. Mrs. Lacob. Mrs. Lacob. Let's just call her Mrs. Lacob. She was asking Jay Z what he wanted to drink, and I think she he was having trouble hearing her or something. So she leaned closer. I think the question was whether or not he wanted a lemon, and he wanted like a vodka and soda, and she was asking him if he wanted a lemon or a lime in it or something. I don't know. And somebody caught a very specific moment where Beyonce was making a face like she looked annoyed or offended by an attractive woman leaning over her to speak to her man. This photo went viral and the beehive lost their damn mind. And I'm not coming after you beehive. Cause I don't need that kind of smoke, but the beehive <laughs> lost their damn mind and were like sending death threats to this woman. She had to, <laughs> Wait, what investment do random people have in that photo and interaction is my well, question. because there was a song called Lemonade about a year ago, Phil Mackey, about uh, J- the song was allegedly about Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce and her forgiving him and then them moving on as a happy and committed couple. And Beyonce has very, very committed and dedicated fans who now are very... Is that what you call them? They're very defensive of her and are, anybody trying to move in on her man. Are the are the Beyonce fans mad at Jay-Z or at no, Mrs. The Lacob? They're mad Mrs. at Mrs. Lacob. So they're trying to protect Beyonce. They're right. trying to protect okay. Beyonce from that hurt again that she felt 
When, okay. uh, that, but that's a that's a character a, known as Becky. That's a Twitter with problem. the good hair. Fooled uh, <laughs> around. Why do you know this? That's a t- <laughs> that's a Twitter problem there, and so I scoff at that. But the guy shoving Kyle Lowry's just an embarrassment. They get were your, death threats. Get your uh, but get your act together. Last night the hockey game. It's an embarrassment. The guy gets slew footed. He gets tripped. It's a penalty. Call the penalty. Isn't it also... Like, why do we have to talk about this stuff? It's also sort of weird that there's just people sitting on the court. Isn't that weird? Like, yeah. in baseball, you know what? Until, there's a wall. Until and, this year, I've never thought that. Well, I've, I, I've always just accepted it. And what, But, yes, it gets weirder. But then what happens is you, you go to these NBA games, and if you're watching sort of... Like, the action will be down on the left side of the court. And so then the ushers let people who sit courtside... Oh, you can... You can it's coming back from halftime. You can run to your seat, and people are literally walking on the court to How get to their seat during Phil, a game. For all the, those years at Wolves games, program guy, yes, who would crouch down as if he was the coach, slap his program, and and be literally almost on the court. Robbie, he wasn't you, on the court. Do you remember program guy, rolled up program guy, who sat courtside for every Timberwolves game up until about ten years ago? So all those playoff runs, he was like. Mr. Uh, Super fan guy. Marlin Man? What's that guy's name? He, he Mr. Was, Marlin? Yes, he was okay. our version of Marlin's okay. Man. And so he would always have a rolled up program. And so he sat courtside on one of the, sort of by like where you would inbound a pass sure. uh, in the half court. Sure. And he never would never would sit in his seat. He would crouch next to his seat on the out of bounds line and just slap his program on the ground and yell encouragement. And sometimes he'd slap players on the butt with it. And what happened to him? I think, well, the Wolves got really bad, and he may have run into some like financial or life problems. They did bring him back for the KG return Sure game. they did, but it's just sort of weird now. Like, to think about that it was that accepted was like, that this guy was almost on the court acting like a coach, and as Phil yeah. just said, he was slapping players on the butt at times with the program. It would be like if a, a fan was sitting on the foul line in a Major League Baseball game. Right, like, yeah. Come on now. Hey, here you go. Come now. <laughs> Dude, you're on the field. <laughs> What's happening? That would be super weird. <laughs> yes. Or if in the NFL, you just had people standing on the sidelines, just regular civilians. Everyone, it's Phil Mackey oh. here for the best car dealership Sorry. and service Hold department. On. Can we in stop that for a second? Least- what happened? I don't know if that was supposed to be in there, <laughs> but I was I was hitting I was hitting play on a live. That's bad that we were, we were going to production <laughs> that production legitimately <laughs> scared me. <laughs> Sorry, like my heart skipped a beat. It's anyway, okay, Rami. Yeah. All right, so the NBA is weird. I guess is the because I heard your story. voice and your mouth wasn't moving. I was like, what? Whoa, what is going crazy. on? Write that down. Predictions when we come back. Go ahead and hit it, Jonathan. Oh no! Now you've done oh, it. I screwed this. Uh, all now up. you've what? done it. I screwed this yeah, all up. We give you that chair, and what happens? <laughs> Sorry, Rami's like, I could have done better oh, than that. Man. You know what's funny? Like on air production meeting. So I got a I got an order to record that commercial. The one that we just heard? Yeah. A second of, yeah. And so I I literally just recorded that like a couple hours ago. And I think I put it in the wrong <laughs> in the wrong cart and just screwed up the whole uh the whole commercial. So is that supposed right to be there. a live spot or is that supposed it to be It was supposed to be a live spot, but it, there's a recorded spot in the live spot thing. All right. So. Well just play that then. Okay.